Welcome to the United Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Smith. Take a second and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any future podcasts. You can listen to our past episodes as well. We are sponsored by the best shooting machine in the world, Dr. Dish. Contact Dr. Dish at Dr. Dish B-Ball on all social media accounts. Mention the United Basketball Podcast and receive $300 off the best shooting machine out there. Coaches, it's time for the Hoosier Gym Coaches Clinic. Go to the show notes for the link and a discount code offered to our podcast listeners only. Early bird pricing is posted on the website now. Also, if you're a member of United Basketball Plus, you receive 50% off the clinic. There's a code that I will email to you, all annual members for the Hoosier Gym Clinic. Check out unitedbasketballplus.com. It's a resource for all coaches. Coaches, I'm excited about this podcast. Let's get to it. Coaches, I want to welcome today's guest, Coach Dave Love. With Coach Dave Love Shooting, he does shooting all around the world, um, online clinics. He actually um, even spoke at the Hoosier Gym Clinic a couple of years ago. So I've worked with Dave in person, and um, coaches always want to have better shooters. So I couldn't think of a better guest to have on than Coach Dave. So thanks again for joining us. I know we're in different time zones and spread out around the world, but uh, thanks for taking the time to join us. My, my pleasure. And I just want to say that that uh, that Hoosier uh, Gym Clinic is one of the most uh, special uh, experiences that a coach can have. Like all these clinics that we do, uh, they tend to feel similar. And that one felt different just yeah. because and especially for guys for guys of our generation, which tend to be a lot of the coaches now. That movie is so iconic, mm-hmm. and uh, and so if anybody has the opportunity to to go and be a part of your clinic, then I would I would highly recommend it. I I I think I presented for ninety minutes at the beginning of the day, and I just hung out all day yep. because it was like when am I going to get the opportunity to go back again? Yeah. So if you have a, a chance, I would I would highly recommend. And then you've got great people that come in and uh, yeah. present at the clinic. So well, I, I appreciate. I appreciate the kind words. Yeah, I'm planning it out right now. It's next month. It's actually in about six weeks. So, um, listeners, I'll be talking about a, that a bunch over the next six weeks. So, well, Coach, let's talk about shooting. Um, but let's specifically talk about when a beginner, when a beginning shooter walks in the door. And I know everybody wants to lock it into like an age, but it's not really an age. It's really the physical physical ability to get the basketball to the goal in, without heaving it or you know is that correct i mean a lot of times we want to tack it down to when do 10 year olds move up and when do nine year olds move up but it isn't that easy correct yeah i don't uh i don't tend to work with players under the age of 11 just because i think below that age they don't have the physical strength to be able to do 90 percent of the things that uh, that we want to do well as shooters no matter how hard they try so yeah. we're fighting a losing battle and i think once we're we're in the eight, nine, 10 year old range. We should still be focused on making this as fun as we possibly can, like sprinkling in some, uh, uh, some instruction for sure and guiding them towards better habits, but with an emphasis on just enjoy the game and experiment and, and try things. And then we can start to narrow the focus as, as players grow up. Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense. I know, I know I do a young kids camp and really it's like just hurting cats and make sure they have a lot of fun with that six, seven, eight, nine range, which you want them coming in and loving, enjoying the game and 
doing fun stuff, but you're also lowering the goal to seven or eight feet and things like that, where they can actually, you know, see some progress. So you have an 11 year old or 12 year old walk in the door, you do a clinic with several 11 or 12 year olds and they're, they're at the early stage. Where do you start or is there a set starting point there? Or is it based on the individual? The, the starting point for me is in that first five minutes, I'm trying to determine the, the habits that they have and which one or two, maybe three habits cause the most negative energy. And so if you, if you know anything about me, I've, I've got this uh, idea of positive and negative energy. And positive energy is anything that flows at the target or straight up in the air. Negative energy is moving in any other direction except for at the target or, or up in the air. And we want to, as shooters, create as much positive, uh, positive energy as we possibly can uh, with all of our body parts and then eliminate as much negative energy as we possibly can. And so I'm spending that first five minutes as I get to know a player watching for okay, what's creating negative energy, how much of it, where should we be focusing our attention here in the, uh, in the, the session that we're doing together. Do you see like one or two or three key things that that age group, a lot of them struggle with, like what are the top, negative uh what was the term you you used negative energy negative energy things that that you see from those younger younger kids but they're but they're able to shoot the ball correctly you know they should be able to yeah they uh the biggest ones are their their lower body how their feet connect to the floor and then how their hands connect to the basketball and even if if even if they're 11, 12, 13 years old, they're probably shooting a reasonably two-handed shot. Right. It's not going to be 100% shooting hand, 0% guide hand. It's probably even not going to be 90-10. It's going to be more in the 70-30 range with a heavy uh, guide hand influence. And so why does that happen? Number one, because two years ago, not very long ago, they, they didn't have the physical strength to shoot with one hand. And so they were shooting with two. And now that process isn't fully completed yet. They're, they're working their way down the road. It's becoming more one-handed, but it's not yet. And it probably even feels like it is one-handed to them. And they're probably even really good at making it look like it's one-handed. Like you look at the follow-through and you go, oh yeah, that, that's what Ray Allen used to look like. But if you stop at the set point, that position around your forehead, you go, oh, that's Ray Allen didn't look like that. Uh, so how they connect to the basketball is, is one. And then how they connect to the floor, uh, their use of their feet. They're generating so much power within their feet. Uh, there's usually a sacrifice of balance or stability to get more power. Um, and then just an unawareness that their, their feet even matter within their shot. And, uh, and so they start to generate a lot of negative energy with their, with their feet, just not even realizing that it's important. So a, a player comes in and you see that they have both of those, they, uh, hands on the ball, you know, heavy guide hand and the feet, which one do you prioritize or how do you, how do you choose what to prioritize, what to work on first, or do you work on both simul simultaneously and give them both equal attention? Uh, I'm probably going to prioritize the hand, especially as the player gets a little older. Like I might prioritize the feet with somebody who's more 
closer to 10 or 11. Uh, and then I might start to prioritize the hands more as they start to get more in the 13, 14, 15 year old range. Um, so then I'm, if I prioritize the hands, which is probably what I would do, um, I'm still going to sprinkle in the feet. So I'm going to put them in a situation that is simple enough that they can actually organize their hands differently. I'm going to isolate that habit um, as much as I possibly can. I have, I have an idea that we want to identify what we're working on. We want to isolate it. And then we want to layer. So we've identified we're going to work on our, our hand placement and getting the, the middle of our hand on the middle of the ball so that we can shoot with, with one hand and not two. Um, I'm going to isolate it, which means I'm going to make the situation easy enough that you can actually do that. And what a lot of coaches, unfortunately, do is this lack of experience or lack of time or too many kids, they put the kids in too much of a game-like situation and expect them to be able to change the habits. And you just, you can't, especially at that age, but most people can't. And what we need to do is we, we got to kind of strip away all these layers that make basketball the game that it is so that we, the player can actually give enough attention to those habits to make sure they're doing them differently. And a lot of times that means being uh, stationary in the beginning, uh, close to the rim, and very slow. And just making sure, okay, is your hand in the right spot? Is your guide hand off the ball? Are you making the right move? Uh, that's about as hard of, of a situation that they can, they can handle. And as they start to do that better, I'll start to get them moving a little bit. And that's where I start to say, okay, now, now our feet have become important. And why are they important? And how do we develop habits that, uh, that will get the feet working for us rather than working against us? And just still a focus on the, um, on the, on the shooting hand and the guide hand relationship, but with a, the situation forcing a little bit of, uh, unconscious attention on the feet. So as you have a player and you work at, you know, when you say close to the goal, you're seven, eight feet away to start off where they can shoot it accurately. Cause I see a lot of people doing, you know, what we used to call form shooting, but they're almost right outside the rim with arc that you have to use that is not even realistic to, to the game. So right. where do you, where is the closest point you would start that? I end up, uh, and even with professional players, like six foot nine, 220 pounds, um, I, I usually end up around the bottom of the jump circle, which is about two steps inside the free throw line. So what are we talking? 10 feet, nine feet. I totally agree with you. If you do this one foot back of the front of the rim, you're learning an unnatural straight up in the air motion that is not mm -hmm. truly a shooting motion. There's components of shooting motion, in it, yep. but in, in everything I do, I want to make it as realistic as possible i want to make it as game like as possible and shooting the ball straight up in the air is not our reality so um i end up starting the as i say about 10 feet out mm -hmm. and then it will 
be dependent on the athlete and how they react as to how quickly we increase that. So I think think how to ask this for a player to really see improvement, right? This isn't something they can just do once a week for a few minutes. So then go back to their bad habits, like to really develop the proper shot. How often does a player need to work on? I know they can't always see a, a shooting coach, for example, but they, you give them some tools to use and they have a goal at home or their church or wherever. How often do they need to do these practices that you're sharing with them in order not to just revert back to the old habits? They, this is probably the most important question that you can ask. So uh, great work on that. Um, if if I, I've done some research into skill acquisition, like that's what I spent my more quarantine time and early on in COVID was doing a better job of understanding the science behind skill acquisition. And there's an expression, I think I've tweaked it Um I don't think I use the the expression exactly how uh, the the people in that world use it, but for me, it's the uh, appropriate level of challenge. We need to know what we're working on, and then we need to simplify the drill enough that we can get that thing correct. Often, but not always. We do want to learn from some mistakes. But then we want to make it as complicated as we can. And that window in between, as easy as it needs to be and as hard as it can be, is the appropriate level of challenge. And so if you're spending your entire time within that appropriate level of challenge and then just occasionally testing, maybe not even occasionally, frequently testing the outer boundaries of like, how difficult can I make this? then that appropriate level of challenge is going to become more and more game-like as you you improve the skill. If you are constantly practicing outside the appropriate level of challenge on either end, then your practice is a waste of time. If you're practicing a situation that is so simple, like what we picture when we, we say traditional form shooting, where it's hand behind the back, three feet from the rim, and you're making 99%. Why do players hate that? Because it doesn't actually do anything. If you're, if you're practicing in that situation all the time, it's not game-like. It's not going to transfer, or it's very unlikely it's going to transfer to a game. Whereas on the other end of the spectrum, if the practice that you're doing is so game-like that you're outside your appropriate level of challenge and you're never getting the habit right, then how are you ever going to build the right habit? And so it's, it's really how much time can you spend in that window where you are getting the habit correct and it's as challenging as you can make it. Um, It's not a number of shots. It's not the 500 makes a day. Um, I've got players, we do 150 shots a day, but every single one of those are within the appropriate level of challenge and the appropriate level of challenge progresses as they get better. Uh, and they improve versus somebody who's shooting 500 makes a day, but they're shooting with the same old habits that they always have. And they don't actually get any better. Right. No, that, that's a good, good detailed answer. I appreciate that. That, um, answer my question. Um, so 
let's talk about the layering. And I know you've 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 hit on that a little bit on the outskirts of it, but so as a player is ready to go to the next level, for lack of a better phrase, and you want to add some difficulty, what are the, what are some of the layers? And again, we're still talking about the beginning shooter ways that you can can do that in an appropriate way where they're not moving at a pace that's, that's too fast, but also they're also seeing some some challenge when they get in the gym with you or their shooting coach. And let me give you three reasons why you should get a Dr. Dish. First of all, it works. Statistics show that are tracked by Dr. Dish that users that put up over 10,000 reps per month can show up to a 10% increase in their makes. So if players will be committed to it, they will see increase in growth. Secondly, over 200 drills and workouts come with the Dr. Dish, and these are done by the top trainers and coaches in the game. So when you hear me say it's like getting another assistant coach, it's like getting multiple assistant coaches. And lastly, it is affordable. Coaches, I run a program. I know every penny matters. Dr. Dish, you pay 50% up front, and you have the next year to pay the other 50% with no interest. So reach out to Dr. Dish, mention this United Basketball podcast, and get $300 off. Now, back to the podcast. Okay, so can we do this as though you're the player? Because I, I, I've started to challenge players to figure this out for themselves more and sure. let them court kind of guide. So we're, let's do that traditional form shooting drill where you are standing 10 feet from the rim stationary uh, as slow as you want to focus on whatever habit that, uh, that you're working on. Uh, let's, let's pretend it's getting your guide hand off the basketball. Okay. Um, I would then ask you, okay, you're doing this well. You're making a good number of shots. That's suggesting that we need to make the situation a little bit harder, a little bit more like a game. What are some ways, and this is my question to you right now, what are some way, what's one way that we could make this drill a little bit harder? Let's adjust this drill in some way. How can we do that? Well, let me ask you one question. When I was doing the previous shooting, am I receiving a pass or am I just getting my rebound? Like, how am I receiving the ball in that first drill? Perfect. You're already thinking in the right <laughs> way. I'm just handing you the ball. Okay, you're just handing me the ball. Your mental little checklist. Okay, so maybe next step is you get a farther away underneath the rim and you pass the ball that way. Your passes won't all be perfect, so they may come to different spots and I would have to you know, work on my hand placement, get the ball in the proper release point, so maybe with a pass, or I would say the other option might be um, spin the basketball to myself. Um, those are my first two thoughts. And, and did you say – uh, in there getting a little further away from the rim. I didn't say that yet. I, no, I didn't. I was thinking just to make that the 10 foot spot, maybe without staying there, but yeah, maybe take a step back and make it a 11 and a half foot shot or 12. So the first way we could, and I shouldn't say the first way, one way that we could is we increase the distance that yep. makes a drill. Harder. Uh, and then you figured out, okay, I can add a catch that complicates things because now I have a different skill that I'm adding. Catching the ball is a skill and it has little micro skills that need to be worked on and they don't perfectly align with the micro skills of a shot. So then how do I go from a bad catch to a ideal starting point for a shot? And how much do I maybe need to tweak the ideal starting point to make it realistic? 
so you added uh, a catch and then we sort of talked about distance. We've got now two of this. I, I, I figure there are about seven layers. We've got two of them. Um, we can also start to like do this a little bit faster. We can add speed. Right. We can add movement. Well, now a catch isn't the only way to get the ball in my hands. I could also have a dribble pickup. And so now we're into the five, five of the, the seven different layers. And then you can start to add a defender. And then you can start to make the player make decisions. And those are the, the seven layers that I sort of play with constantly. Uh, I try and envision it like a music producer's uh, board where they have all the faders. And each one of those seven things, distance, speed, movement, catches, passes, uh, sorry, catches, uh, dribbles, defenders and decisions, those are each a fader. And my job as the coach is to teach the player how to adjust all of those faders uh, so that they can increase the difficulty of the drill, but stay in the appropriate level of challenge. And so is your last, the seventh level um, movement? Uh, I don't try and think of them as last. I okay. used to think of them that, that way. Um, but I used to think of them as speed, movement, distance were the first. This is how I used to view it. And then catches and dribbles would be kind of the next sub layer and then defenders and decisions. And I'm actually finding a lot of success with, you know, don't put them in categories. Right. You it can, depends on the player you're working with. Well, it just depends on what part of the, yeah, uh, it depends on what part of the the whole sequence the player is struggling with. If, yeah. if, the, if the speed is causing the issue, then they can probably handle making a decision before shooting the shot. Um, we just have to make sure this, the shot is slow enough that they can do this correctly. Or they can handle some movement right. um, while making a decision. And but they need the, the shot to be slow and from a certain distance. And so you're able to increase the level okay. of difficulty in other ways while keeping it simple in the ways that they need it to be simple in the beginning. So can I go back to a, it was the comment you mentioned when we were off the air talking before the podcast, as you mentioned, you know, the medicine. Right. So talk, summarize that comparison really quick and then I'll get to my point. Yeah, I get this a lot in, on, on social media, uh, especially from players. They'll ask, like, can, hey, coach, can you give me a drill to work on my shooting? And I always say, like, drills are like medicine. And what you just asked me is, is basically like coming to a doctor and say, hey, coach, can you give me the medicine? Or doctor, can you give me the medicine? Mm -hmm. Well, do you have a broken leg or do you have brain cancer? Because the medicine that I would give you in yeah. those two different situations is probably very different. And so you see this on social media all the time where they try this drill, do this drill, right. and they'll, they'll explain something, but with no understanding or no teaching right. of the fact that a drill is usually for a specific bad habit. And so I'm constantly adjusting those, those faders or tweaking the drills in some way um to just make sure that we're getting the right medicine to the player and so your seven the seven layers are essentially like the medicine one player may may go to movement 
step three, whereas another player may not be the last thing they do, player dependent based on them. All right, and I wanted to ask you, we talked about the beginning player. Now you have an advanced player walking in the gym. You may have a kid who's going to play college basketball. She or he, they're 17 years old. Like they are, they're good at what they do, but they need to clean up some things. How different is it when you work with an advanced player um, versus a beginning player, or is there much difference at all? Uh, I think the average person would be shocked by how little difference there is. Okay. And, uh, and so it's the same process. Identify the habit, uh, isolate it as much as you need to, and then layer as much as you can. And with, with older, um, I'll even go older than what you were talking about. Let, let's say a 26 year old pro. Yeah. Well, they've, they probably got a 15 year bad habit that, that is holding them back versus the 17 year old or the 12 year old who have a two year or a five year bad habit. Um, so we may need to actually isolate a little bit more. Now they're probably really talented athletes and uh, like I'll add decisions a lot faster. And I'm always surprised with like um, when I add a decision, I basically making a player react to something, make a decision on where they think they need to go and then do a form shooting drill. And it's always amazing, like how quickly a pro can react. Like they just, they don't need the explanation. Whereas a kid will, okay, I'll change. I'll be a, a, um, uh, a defender standing in front of them and then I'll just change my feet or I'll change my stance, which is my cue to get them to make a decision. And a kid will look at the feet and you can see the thought process. And two seconds later, they, they decide where they're going to go. Whereas a pro is, is there instantly. And, uh, and those are, those are about the only differences. So in some ways they catch on a lot faster and in okay. some ways they, they, it's just really hard to break the, uh, the habit. And so it's the same kind of process that I follow. So when a, when a, when a pro comes in or a high level player comes in, is it because they come in with, Hey coach, I'm shooting 39% from three. I need to be at 44%, right? Like I need to be, or whatever their whatever it is, free throws, whatever it may be. How much more difficult is it to see define what the issue with their shot as opposed to a 13-year-old comes in, you're like, this is easy. You got, but with the pro, is it fairly difficult? Or I mean, this is what you do for a living. Because I think the average person is like, man, that they they've got a perfect shot. And you can see, like, nope, I see this little thing mm-hmm. in it that may be the difference between them being a 37% shooter and a 43% shooter, which, which for a pro can be worth millions of dollars. Right. Right. And uh, yeah, th- you've hit it right on that. Uh, I think by the nature of my pr- profession, um, even compared to an NBA head coach or assistant coach, I- I've just had so many more reps of watching the details within shooting mechanics and where they can see uh, little tiny details in how a pick and roll is defended and see the defender's feet and the offensive player's shoulder angle at the same time, which I don't see. Um, they're, they're not able to see these kind of little details that I can. 
And, uh, and so it can be harder. And there are players that for sure that, um, that I look up and I go, Ooh, something's not right there. And then you have to, and, uh, and watch it in slow motion to say, yeah. okay, what, what is really going on? I know something's not right, but it happens so quickly. And, uh, so that still does happen. And I think I'm really, really good at seeing those, seeing things, but still i always got my phone or an iPad on me just right. so I can slow it down. Absolutely. Well, coach, thanks so much for taking time to join us. Um, uh, I love following you, what you do. And again, I love to have you at the Hoosier gym clinic again in the future sometime, but mention quickly how coaches can connect with you, whether social media, Instagram, or email, if, if they've got a yeah. specific question or. I've, I've tried to make it simple for everybody. Just remember coach Dave love. So Instagram and Twitter at coach Dave love. Uh, website, if you want to sign up for my free shooting newsletter, is coachdavelove.com. And uh, uh, in the first email that I send, I ask you, like, tell me about yourself. And and so when you sign up for the newsletter, um, then please, when you get that email, tell me about where you're coaching, what level are you at, what part of the world are you in, and, and what kind of help do you need? All right, Coach. Well, I appreciate that, and I look forward to connecting uh, again in the future with you. I, I look forward to less plan for uh, the summer of 2023, a little Hoosier Jim uh, reunion. Let's do it. All right. Awesome. Our brother. Thank you. Take care. Coaches, thanks so much for listening to this episode. Remember, go to the show notes, check out the Hoosier Gym Clinic, United Basketball Plus as well. We offer great resources for coaches at all levels. Hope you're having a great summer, and we'll see you next podcast.